Hey, my name is Rabbi Zev Bannett, and thanks for watching the Yesod Blocks channel. We also have a brand new website, www.yesodblocks.com. So if you like what you see over here, definitely go check that out. We have all kinds of really awesome, mind-bending, mind-blowing, uh, premium content over there for our premium subscribers. Also a bunch of free stuff, so definitely check it out, register. And if you like what you see, definitely go all the way and subscribe. We'd love to have you over there. Now, this particular video, I want to just do something very simple, try to keep it relatively short, and that's to explain a concept that really applies for today. Today is Tisha B'Av, uh, the ninth of Av, and the concept that I want to sort of define and just give real sort of down-to-earth, concretized understanding of is something called Sinas Chinam. Sinas Chinam is spelled like this in Hebrew. In English, that usually is translated as baseless hatred. Baseless. Go, baseless hatred. So, baseless hatred, exactly what does that mean? What is sinas chinam? Now, the reason why this is important is because we've been claiming for 2,000 years that the reason why we lost our second temple, the Beis HaMikdash, is because of this thing called baseless hatred, sinas chinam. And not only that, it seems like the reason why things are still that way, why we still don't have our Beis HaMikdash back, is because we're still doing exactly the same thing things that really led to the loss of it in the first place. We, this sinas chinam that happened then has still been going on for the last 2,000 years. And so if we can understand what that is, maybe we can stop it from happening. Now, I wouldn't just bring this up because it's Tisha B'Av today. I think it's also important to bring up because it turns out that the definition of sinas chinam is actually not just destructive for our people as, you know, to lead to the destruction of the base of Mikdash. It's actually destructive of any and all societies where it's found. And guess what? happens to be that today sinas chinam is a major, major problem in pretty much all countries, but definitely right now, 2021, we're in the end of the coronavirus pandemic situation, it is super relevant to the country of America, and actually even more relevant there than it is in Israel, which is kind of ironic, but it's always relevant in Israel since that's sort of like where we are from and where we are supposed to be and where we're supposed to live. So let's just define it very clearly, very concisely, very carefully, and then we can really apply it to the terrain of the world that we live in and see how it really impacts things. So the application here, the definition, is that sinas chinam means that you hate somebody because they have a different opinion than you. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, all situations where you have a different opinion of, uh, than somebody else that you will hate them. It just means that we're talking about a situation where you do hate someone because you have a different opinion than they do or they have a different opinion than you do. Now, I want you to think about this a little carefully. This is not my definition. This is the definition of the Netziv, and he wrote this in, his, in the introduction to the Chumash uh, of his commentary called Ha'emek Davar, and uh, it's a great commentary by itself. But this is the very, very first thing he discusses is that Sinas Chinam is defined in this exact way. Now, we can ask and delve, is that correct or not? I think, you know, there's probably a couple of ways we could describe sinas chinam that would get us to the same place as this definition, which is why I like the definition. It really is super concise. But I want to sort of articulate how it works in the real world. If we could just take it as a given that this idea that sinas chinam means that you hate somebody because they have a different opinion than you do. And I want to describe it like this. So the Torah's system assumes that each of us is actually all one person. In other words, Underneath this, there's me looking out through my eyes. And the Torah system says that each of us is the same self. We're all one self, but we're looking out at the world through different frames of reference. We have different perspectives, really. You could think of it as like, well, I look right now, right now I'm looking 
at a camera and everybody else is looking at whatever they're looking at. We each have different things that we're seeing. You could define that as we have different perspectives, but we're all the same self. And this goes to sort of the definition of something called the neshama, which is, we have another video about that on the, on the channel. And the neshama is usually translated and defined as the soul. And in Torah terms, it really means your consciousness. Now there's a whole thing to discuss here. I want to keep this very simple for now. So let's just take it as you, the sense that you are someone, that you are a self, that there's someone looking out through your eyes out at the world. That is the definition, or at least the beginning of the definition and the discussion of what the neshama is. And what the Torah is claiming is that we all have one neshama. It's all really just one self, one soul, which is why there's this idea that human beings should be connected and united and unifying because we really share this common, this commonality, this common self. And then what happens is, because we have different perspectives, we look at the world through different lenses, so then we start to experience ourselves as other than each other. It's like there's me and there's you, and we can even become enemies. If that otherness gets deep enough where you really start to see yourself deeply and, and internally identifying yourself as other than me, so then you can start to really become an adversary, an enemy to me. And that's really what's happening when we discuss this idea. When, when, when we talk about sinas chinam, so the definition that the netziv gives is that you actually are looking at somebody and you're saying, well, since you have a different opinion than me about something, I'm going to now numb myself to the side of oneness and of connection that we actually all share, and I'm going to only view you through the lens of otherness and distance and separation. Now, the Torah approach is that you're supposed to actually view each other, we're supposed to all view each other through both of these lenses at once, to understand each other, to look at somebody else and say, we are both one and also separate. There's a certain amount of togetherness we want to perceive, so that way we can be close to each other, we can connect to each other, we can build relationships with each other, we can love each other, which is the definition of, of oneness in the Torah's language, is that when you are one with someone, that's called love. So we want to have love, but if you have only love, then there's not enough distance between us, and then we start to lose awareness of each other in any kind of clear way. And when you have too much love, so then you can't really have any separate existence, then it can even border on abuse. You could actually hurt somebody that you love because you see them so much as subsumed within you that you just say to yourself, oh, you know, what they what they want is irrelevant because since they're just a part of me, you know, parents have this problem a lot with their kids because they'll say, they look at their child and say, well, my child is an extension of me. They're not going to say that, you know, overtly. They're not going to say to themselves, my child is just an extension of me and therefore I, I decide what my child should have or should do. But they implicitly do this where they, we, we tend to look at our own children and say, you're an extension of me, and so I know what's right for you. I know what's best for you. I know what you should do. And at some point, when children grow big enough and they start to have things that they want, they diverge from their parents, and they actually want different things. And then the parent, but when the parent can't adjust and adapt to that change, so then they start to perceive the child as simply like this weird anomaly where they're just, they're deviating in a way that's inappropriate. And the parent will say, well, you're one with me. You're part of me. How could you do this different thing from what I want you to do? That's when there's too much love. But it can also go the other way. And that's what sinas chinam is really all about. It's that when you start to say, I can't even see any way to connect to you or to relate to you because since you're different from me in way X, I see no common ground where I can actually bond or get close or experience or express love. So I'll give an example of this. I saw a letter in a newspaper recently about a person, uh, he, he was describing his own relationship with his father. And he said, my father is a Republican and I'm a Democrat. 
And so I have a real problem with that because I don't agree with any of his views. So I feel that like we have no common ground. We cannot connect in any way because he's so different from me. We disagree on so many fundamental things. And we have these different opinions about how the world should be run, how things should be handled. And so therefore I have no way to feel connected to him at all because he is so different from me in terms of these opinions. And I read this letter and I was so struck by it because I was, I, I was like, I don't understand. Your, your whole sense of your identity of you and in contrast, the identity of your father that you are perceiving is revolving completely and specifically and strictly around a number of things that are all about how you believe the world should be run. It's the definition of politics. You have a bunch of ideas of how you think other people and other lives should be handled and managed, and you're sort of sitting over here deciding what you think that how the world should be done. So, and then you look at somebody else and say, they disagree with how I think the world should be run, and now I can't connect to them because in these, er these areas, we are not the same. But think about that for a second. I mean, is that, is, everybody has disagreements about how things should be run all the time. We all have opinions about things like that. But if you can't get past that and look at the bigger, the, the side of the picture, which is the connection side that you and your, I mean, you and your father, if you have a, if you have a relative, somebody that's in your family, I mean, the idea is that family, you're supposed to easily perceive them as a part of you. It's like, even if we disagree, but like, we're always family. We're always sharing our lives. Now, maybe we'll disagree, but like, we're always family. So it should be easier to do it that way. And yet we find, especially today, that there's this dynamic where people are getting more and more and more locked into their opinions, and then they can't access the side of connection, the side of love. And what that does is it creates a situation where you become numb to any place, any point of connection. That's exactly what happened in that letter. That son could not even understand anymore. He couldn't perceive his father as someone who's a part of himself. I mean, it's his father. What does a father give you? A father gives you life. A father gives you love. A father raises you. A father is there for you in some form. Usually that's how fathers are supposed to operate. And a son is supposed to sort of reciprocate that because there's this energy of connection that is very, very expressed between a parent and a child. That's what's supposed to happen. And of course, even as they become more and more separate, the overarching back, you know, backdrop of their life is supposed to be the connection that they share. So you have this general connection and then you can have disagreements inside of that space but if the disagreements become so you know so uh, focused upon and so central to the de definition of yourself and the relationship then you can no longer even remember or imagine or feel the, the points of connection and the points of oneness and unity that you share with your loved one and your relative and that is clearly something which is going to tear the two of you apart that's what we see in the Jewish people in the Torah. What happened in the story of the Beis HaMikdash is, is exactly that. It's that the Jewish people basically 2,000 years ago said they could no longer find common ground with each other. The way the, the Nitziv writes it is that we would look at each other and we would say, oh, but you, you have your opinion about halacha and you're more stringent in this area and I'm more lenient. And so since you're more machmir and I'm more mekel, so now I can't. I mean, you're just crazy. You don't, you don't, you don't understand Torah. You're just off the rails. And I really know. You don't know. And, you know, that whole approach where people started to label each other in terms of individual opinions. Oh, you wear a black hat. I only wear, a, you know, a knitted yarmulke. Oh, you're not religious the way that I think you should be religious. Oh, you behave in a certain way that I don't agree with. Now, again, we can have critiques of each other. We can, I can disagree with you and say, your lifestyle is problematic. I think it's damaging. I think it's not a healthy way to live. And you can tell me that you think that my lifestyle is damaging and unhealthy. But that's something which, and we can have all kinds of fights and disagreements about that. But the question is, can you at the core still find the rest of me and the rest of you and see all the ways that we connect? Let's say we, if we disagree about one thing, whether it's politics, whether it's a lifestyle issue. So if we disagree about that one thing, it does not mean that the other 99 things of the 100% spectrum of life are gone now and they don't exist. So 
all of us, all human beings in general, we all want the same things. We all want love. We all want to be expressed. We all want to actualize ourselves and become someone. Now, some of us can become so damaged and so disagreeable that we can actually hurt other people. And then we have to protect ourselves from people like that. But in a basic sense, just like basic disagreements about how lifestyles should be run, we can disagree, but not let that erase the point of awareness that we actually have a shared self and that we are actually connected and we are not completely separate. And that's really what Sinas Chinam is, where you get to a point of disagreement where while you disagree, you then make that disagreement sort of swell and become much more prominent inside of your consciousness, inside of your perception, and the rest of your awareness of the person, all the other aspects that you share with them, that you have in common with them, become erased and negated and just nullified and in your perception only, and then you become just as, as destructive as they do because you create this this split, this divide between you and the other per person or people that can never be uh, traversed, can never be bridged. And that means that now we have this fragmentation of people and that destroyed the base of Mikdash. And it's actually also, in my opinion right now, I think if you look at the world in America, so it's kind of destroying American society because the fragmentation that's going on in which everybody is saying to everybody else, well, your opinion is so absolutely crazy that I cannot even begin to understand you and therefore you are a write-off. You don't deserve to be allowed in the discourse of the, you know, of, of the society because your opinion is so wild. And the problem is that, that it's not always easy to tell which opinions are that dangerous and which ones aren't because when you believe in your own opinion, so you say, well, in this case, it's not the same as what, you know, this rabbi is talking about on this video because the opinion that I'm thinking about now, we could pick vaccines is a good one. Well, my opinion about vaccines is X. And I'm sure that I'm right. So it's different because this time I know that I'm right. But everybody always thinks that they're right. That's how it always works. And if you constantly, if, if, you, if, you, if you only apply this, the thought process of this video to situations where you're not that sure that you're right, so then that, that's not helpful. That's not when you need to apply it. You have to apply it when it's the most difficult. When you have a situation with a person that you disagree very, very strongly, and you're now about to let it tear you apart, and then you have to say, this is a moment where I have to say, you know what, even though I disagree with you, but like there's so much more to our relationship than just this one thing and I can look past this in order to connect to you, and then you'll have to live your way, I'll have to live my way in the way that we disagree, but beyond that, I can still love you and you can still love me. That's how countries survive, and in our, our country, the land of Israel, and the, the, our, our base in Mekdash, we lost those things because we fragmented ourselves from each other, and the whole goal of life is to constantly deepen our awareness that we are connected, while also understanding that we can be separate in different ways and have different perspectives. And when we actually, you know, do that harmoniously, so then we can really stop destroying ourselves and then start to build increasingly uh, successful and effective societal structures. And then we can even get to the next level of this whole this whole situation, which is why we want to bring the base of Mikdash back, so we can get to the Olm Haba phase, where we're much more, you know, harmonious and put together, and, everything, and society becomes uh, much more structured the way it was meant to be, before all these uh, dysfunctional uh, relationship dynamics really set in. And now they're setting in in very, very intense ways. And I think that the Sinas Chinam concepts of Tisha B'Av are broadly applicable to every society. And when we understand them very carefully, we can really see how to fight back against them and in the darkest moment when we think, no, but this time I'm sure I need to write you off because you really are crazy. You have to say, okay, well, A, do I need to protect myself from this person in some way? If so, I should do that. But can I still not write them off in my mind? Can I not allow the disagreement to become so 
broadly present in my mind that I now say this person is expendable and then we have huge swaths of society that are doing that to huge other swaths of society and that is a real problem that will destroy civilization if we let it continue the way that it already destroyed the base of Mikdash the way that it did 2,000 years ago. Okay, some food for thought. Hope that was relatively clear and again, check out yesoblocks.com. All kinds of great stuff there so love to see you on the platform and thanks for listening.